Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. And since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is understanding our FASD kids. FASD is short for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and this is what doctors call an umbrella term for a range of disabilities that children are born with and that are caused by alcohol consumed by the mother during pregnancy. FASD is the leading cause of birth defects and childhood disability in North America. FASD disabilities are serious. You know, an example is that a 20-year-old adult with FASD may have a mental age of a 10-year-old child. FASD disabilities create serious problems over which the young adult has no control, which cause great difficulties for the young adult, the family, and the family caregiver, and the justice system. FASD's most critical problems are behavioral. That's because these are what makes the child so vulnerable in school, community, and life. And FASD problems bring huge challenges for family caregivers. Now, to discuss understanding our FASD kids, our guest today is Jeff Noble. Now, Jeff is an advocate, trainer, and coach for caregivers who deal with the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. He's been a foster parent, frontline staff, and an FASD coordinator for a private agency in the greater Toronto area. In 2009, he completed the FASD certificate program from the Child Welfare Institute at the Children's Aid Society of Toronto. In 2010, he founded FASD Forever, a website in which he shares his experience with FASD and related matters. In just one year, his site has reached the first page of Google, and his community on Facebook has over 1,200 fans. He produces a newsletter, and he releases his new e-book, Making Sense of the Madness, and an FASD survival guide, and that's released on March 1st next. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Doctor. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Now, I'm going straight over to you. This is now the first question for you. Please tell us more about you and your book. Oh, perfect. I I would love to. So, first of all, how I got involved uh, with the community or or with fetal alcohol is uh, in about 2007 at the time, I was just I was a sales manager for a company, uh, you know, helping, supporting, sales training, all that kind of good stuff. And my partner, who was still my partner, Tara, she was going through school to become a social worker. She was getting a second degree. So as for a part-time job, what she was started doing is working for this uh, independent agency uh, that would uh, take care and be caregivers for kids living with fetal alcohol. And the journey really started for me is because she would come home after a shift and she would explain to me how these kids look normal, they talk normal, but their behavior was anything but normal. 
and she would tell me how fascinated they were uh, she was with um, you know it, despite all their deficits that they were still managed to maintain their sense of humor and they were they were pretty good throughout the day despite all the circumstances they were they had so after hearing this uh, you know I was kind of bored with my job I have some I have major ADHD so if I'm rambling at any time doctor you know you can just cut me off right you just yell my name real loud you're doing great so far. That's, Carry that's on. what most people do, though. So you just you just yell my name. So I decided. She said, "Jeff, you know what? I think that you'd be really good at this." So I would say, "Well, my career's not. It's kind of hit the glass ceiling. It's going to be what it's going to be." So I I just sound it sounded so interested. So I I got an interview and we were able to do it. And I started just as a as a, a part time staff and just learning and. You know, it brings me back to the first shift, the first time, the first hour I've ever worked with one of these kids, and I didn't think I would make it past an hour. It was that incredibly hard, and I had no idea what I was stepping into. But seeing as I just quit my job, uh, that I needed to uh, to work to, to make money, so I stuck around. But as I stuck around and I started to learn that these, these kids were really misunderstood, uh, then, you know, having going through the ranks and learning and teaching and training and applying everything that I did learn, I, so was, what we were able to do is start to stabilize some of these placements. Uh, we were really able to get these kids settled in. And so from that, uh, I ended up taking that course, like you mentioned, uh, with, who, was, who was facilitated by Donna DeBolt, and she is amazing, and she taught me a lot of what I know. And then I decided that, uh, you know, I started with social media. I said, hey, is this, like, I'm learning so much, and there's so much information that it needs to get out. If people right. are being honest and telling me what they're telling me that nobody knows about, or it's, it's very unknown on a lot of parts, and people that dismiss it, and it's not, uh, and it's not a big issue, um, having, have, having heard all of that, you, there's no way I couldn't, not say anything. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And Jeff, so with I'm all this to... knowledge, I, I, I had to see. So I, what I started to do is I started to I searched fetal alcohol on Facebook, and there was a couple of people, and they're probably listening right now, that I befriended because I seen that they said they, had, they were raising someone or caring with someone. So then I started putting out tidbits of what I was learning. Jeff, I'm going to stop you there because yeah, I, I want you, I want you to move to another question, and we will get back to your book. How did you become a foster parent of a young man with FASD, and how did this change your life? Uh, great question. So I became a foster parent because I was working with the organization, and at this time I was working uh, out of town, out of the Toronto area where, this, uh, where the placement was, and I was the primary caregiver. It was me and this young man was 15 years old at the time, and I worked Monday to Friday with him. Now, the good part was he was, about, he was by his uh, adoptive mother, and so he was able to see her frequently, but the unfortunate part was there was not enough services. And not only that, but I didn't want to, you know, I couldn't see uh, my family during the week. So we asked, and we were offered, and we talked about it, and so we decided to go ahead and do it uh, full full time. So he moved down to the greater Toronto area with me and my partner, um, and that's where it began, uh, and it changed my life forever uh, because it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. Tell Far us more none. about the change in your life, Jeff. Tell us more about that. Well, there was a lot of change in my life, both, you know, uh, negative and, and positive. Uh, the positive was I got to see uh, my family, but the negative was I also got to see my family, and that included this young man. And at first what happened was it changed my life because I was able to have every weekend off at least, right? I had something to look forward to. I had some, I had some respite, uh, but with here it was, it was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I did manage to get every second week and off. So it, it started to change my behavior because I started to become, you know, a little bit isolated uh, because he was so demanding, uh, because he, he just needs that constant care. He needed that. 
started to wear on my relationship a little bit. Uh, at first, you know, the honeymoon period, everything goes smoothly. Uh, but then, you know, we start offering less support, and I started to increase my expectations of them, uh, and uh, just not enough rest. And so and it changed my life because knowing that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of not only caregivers, but people who live with this disability are going through this every single day. Now, I'm going to uh, stop so you. it changed my life because I had to do something about it, I thought. Right. Now, you've got a slogan that I've seen several times, and it is, FASD is forever, frustration is not. Please explain that to us. Yeah, that's, uh, I came up with that. I actually asked um, my news, my, my subscribers for my newsletter, which we'll talk about because they give me a lot of great feedback. Uh, but we came up with this slogan is, because it's true because fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a neurodevelopmental uh, disability. Neuro, because you're a smart doctor, right, doctor, that you know that's brain, right? Yeah. And developmental means through the whole period, right? So developmental through, for, through as long as you live. So it is a brain disability, and it's de- developmental, so it just stays with them. They don't grow out of it. When they get older, it just looks different. Yeah. Now, that's very important. So, 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 to answer your question, my yes. apologies, the ADHD there. So, they come up with the slogan is that it's, it's forever, but the frustration does not have to be. I think a lot of times we're flying by the seat of our pants as caregivers, and with all the great information going around and all this uh, success success stories and all, you know, the way that people are going ahead and providing intervention, that they're having less bad days. You know, more good days than bad days is what is what this is all about. And um, that's why the frustration is not. It doesn't have to be. We can have more good days than bad days. So we can live a, a, a semi-normal life, uh, everybody, including the caregiver and the person living with the disability. That's a message of hope, isn't it, Jeff? It has to be. It has to be because, you know, these, the, the caregivers don't have much in a way of, in a way of hope. And because mainstream, mainstream systems don't yet, for the most part, understand the disability, the caregivers are often look like they're the, they're the, they're at fault. It's their problem. Uh, you know, it's just bad parenting. Uh, and everyone looks because the kid looks normal. And the kid could even present normal uh, because oftentimes their expressive language, which means the way they talk, is higher than their actual chronological age. So they sound like they're okay, and for short periods of time they are, but they're not. And it's right, and it's hard on the caregiver because nobody—it's like nobody else sees it. I'm going to stop. Sees it. And Jeff, got to stop. Jeff, I've got to stop you there. I'm sorry to be so rude, but we do well, have to pay the rent. Fault. It's time to take the break. So this is Dr. Gordon Atley. My guest is Jeff Noble. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. It's all about action. Scores. Taking a look at the NBA tonight. Highlights. He's broken loose. He's at the 30. And headlines. Big trade in the NFL this afternoon. When you are looking to talk sports, look no further than the Voice America Sports Network. We bring you some of the biggest names and all the sports news you can handle. Whether it's basketball. Off the glass. Football. Come on. Golf. Racing. 
or the Olympics. We've got you covered. We'll even cover tailgating. Tune in to the Voice America Sports Network. It's all things sports. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jeff Noble. Our topic is understanding our FASD kids. So let's talk about um, the things you've learned, Jeff, the things that fit your slogan, FASD is forever, frustration is not. Jeff, first question, what are the most important things you've learned about FASD kids? The most important thing I learned is that they are misunderstood. This is a population of kids, of adults, of people that are expected to do things that they are not able to do. They're expected to follow and, and, and perform certain actions that their brain just does not let them do. So because of that, I learned about these kids with FASD is that, you know, they are constantly trying to figure things out and that they need somebody to explain the world to them and for you know and also for them to explain to the rest of the world but what are they going through on a day-to-day basis i learned that these you know these kids have a big heart they're some of the funniest kids i've ever i've ever had a chance to 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 be with because you know when you're a caregiver when you're a primary caregiver Gordon you know you're with these kids 24 hours a day you know, so they, they almost become, you know, your buddy, right? Like, and I know for me, uh, uh, being a foster parent, uh, with my partner at work, it was just me and this guy all day, like, except for a bit uh, of programming that he did. But what I learned from these guys is is resilience, is, is to not give up, and that every day is a new day. So that just because today I had a bad day, uh, tomorrow I can just wake up, Forget about yesterday and have a good day today. That seems a very healthy attitude to the situation you're describing and to life in general. Now, let's talk about foster parenting and what you've learned about FASD kids from the perspective of a foster parent. Jeff? Yes. Okay, this is so huge is that you cannot do it alone. Foster parent, caregiver, I... You know, I don't, whatever you want to label it, is that they need these supports. You know, oftentimes we take these, these kids and, and, you know, and the, and the agency is t- trusting us or we adopt these kids and the government is, you know, put these, these kids in our hands and we're expected that we're going to be the ones, uh, to take care of them and to do all these good things for them. But we need, they need support. Parents need support. They cannot do it alone. So whether it's help from the family, whether it's help from the extended family, whether it's from agency supports, that is the one thing I learned is that you cannot do it alone. I also learned, and I even write about it in my free report, is that you have to, you know, respite. You have to take time off for you. Uh, You have to be quiet the noise. It's almost like a snow globe, right, doctor, and you shake a globe and it's all crazy and you can't see what's going on and the confetti's flying but if you let it settle then you can see either the snowman or the city or whatever whatever it happens to be but you need that time to just de-stress because if your batteries aren't full if you're not charged up you know these kids will wear you down and they'll wear you down the situations will wear you down uh, and then next thing you know you are burnt out which has happened to me twice 
I can legitimately say I, I tapped out. I was, I was done. What are the most important things you've learned about yourself, you personally? That's a what? good question. So I obviously, it might be a little bit cliche at the moment, uh, but I've learned not to, not to judge, not to judge a book by its cover. And no matter, no matter how disabled somebody seems, they can still do things. They can still contribute. They can still, uh, they, you know, they can still perform in society. So uh, for myself is that no matter how bad, and I'm going to use a, a person seems, everyone wants to be good on the inside. Everyone wants to do good. And they, they, they just, they might seem like they're not doing the right things uh, on purpose, but I assure you that, but that's not so. What I've learned is also to be flexible. If you are caregiving for somebody with FASD, doctor, you have to be flexible. I learned in my course and I learned through experience that these kids are only as good as their last five minutes. Uh, so we have to make sure that I am super flexible and that, you know, my expectations of people are hopefully where they are able to perform. So I also learned to lower my expectations of myself and in a good way and also of other people I'm around um, so that, you know, I'm not always constantly disappointed because, to be honest, we set high standards and expectations for, for everybody and not everybody can meet those, whether you have a disability or not. Right. Jeff, we mentioned your book a moment ago in the last episode, uh, sorry, yeah, the last and segment. I rambled on. Right no, no, I you didn't that. ramble on. I did. <laughs> it was your, my fault, not yours. Now, I want to know from you what the most important things are that you've learned from all the things you've done in, in connection with FASD that you want to share with other foster parents and that you express in your book. So, in other words, what do you want to convey via your book that you've actually learned? Jeff? Right. Okay, that's a, another good question. So, my book, Making Sense of the Madness, oftentimes, um, doctor, that caregivers are confused. You know, oftentimes uh, foster parents or, or, or caregivers in general have other children, and the other children are, are fine and, and doing well, but for some reason, all the strategies that they've tried on this, uh, uh, someone with the with living with an FASD has, has have failed. So, what my book is here to con is to convey is I want it to be obviously to make sense of the madness. Why are they acting the way that they act? Now, I don't have an answer for everything, but in my experience as a FASD coordinator, as a foster parent, and going through consultations and trainings, is is just that, um, is that we, the caregivers out there, they need information. And there's a lot of information out there. And again, my book is hopefully to synchronize. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm just trying to synchronize that information uh, for the caregiver because, you you know, well, we hear a lot about FASD in Canada, but in, in other places where I talk to people on my on my blog or on my fan page, they don't even have this this information. So uh, the point of the book is there's so much I struggle finding like the the top points that they need to know. But the one thing uh, they need to know is that they need support. And I mentioned that earlier, and I'm, I can't stress it enough that they can't do it alone. Don't try and be a super a caregiver, a superhero, because I tried, and I, and I failed, and I thought I could do it. Uh, but you're not doing anybody of service. So my book really is a, it's a survival guide. It's tips, tricks, uh, how, what I've done, and basically how my mindset is. Because a caregiver has to have a certain, a certain mindset. Uh, because, for example, we can't take things too personal. Because they can get very personal, but if we understand fetal alcohol, that's, it's their brain, it's not their behavior. They can't, they have no inhibitors, so what they say is they say. So don't take things so personal is huge. I know it's hard. Um, and also knowing your triggers, uh, because 
it's theological thinking, and, and a lot of times you find yourself in a conversation with someone living with fetal alcohol, and you're like, what is, what is going on here? This makes no sense. Uh, so that's it, it, the quick version of, of what my book's about. It, it gives people something to look forward to. Okay, so now they have a diagnosis, and now they know they want to get an assessment, and so it's it's kind of a where to go next and how to navigate and keep your head a little bit above water, uh, a little bit more than it currently is. Now, this is going to be a quick question. That is to say, a short answer from you, Jeff, please. But you talked about support for family caregivers as being one of, one of the important things, and you mentioned respite, and you've also mentioned information. What other kinds of support? Have you learned that uh, family caregivers generally and not just foster parents need relative to FASD? Right. Well, they need, uh, you know, so not only do they need support like someone to tag in, you know, to give them relief, but they need somebody to help them navigate the systems. You know, these kids are involved in, in every the system, they're the legal system, uh, the educational system, uh, you know, the medical system, because they have a, obviously a lot of a lot of health issues that go along with the disability. Uh, so, having said that, and the short answer is that not only do they need uh, support, but they need a they need a navigator. They need someone to get in there and do the paperwork for them because they're so exhausted. Do the paperwork, someone to listen to them, uh, just help them get through all those all those different uh, government systems. Fair enough. What about money? That is, do they get enough financial support? Do they get any financial support? Well, the, that's you know, you in I know in Canada you can qualify uh, if you meet the criteria for a developmental disability, and I know I have some links on my website for that. Um, I can't speak to specifically, I know, but no, to answer your question, no, they don't. And in fact, it costs a lot of money, these kids. They call them million-dollar babies. I was just um, reading something the other day where I saw it was $1.8 million is the estimated cost of somebody living with fetal alcohol across the lifespan. Wow. So that's a lot of money, and there isn't a lot of financial support. So so much and so that people, you know, families can't even go and enjoy movies or bowling, even though that's what they're supposed to be doing. They can't do that because they have to pay for the medication. They have to pay uh, for the dental expenses. Let's not forget about dentists. Yeah. They have huge ortho issues, uh, and they need constant care in that area. So uh, they, do, they do need more, and, I, you know, and even as a per diem, as a foster parent, it just they just require more resources. That's gotcha. what makes them so difficult. I'm going to stop you there because we have to pay the rent, as I like to say. We've got to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Jeff Noble. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We're coming back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Are you a homeowner who's trying to save on energy bills and go green at the same time? Tune into Energy Saving in the Home, brought to you by 521 Compressor Saver and Home Energy Consultants with host Gary Parr and Dennis Seltzer. They have saved homeowners just like you as much as 65% on energy bills through energy efficiency practices. You'll learn about conservation, products, and services to reduce energy consumption and save you money. Be sure to listen to Energy Saving in the Home, live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jeff Noble. Our topic is Understanding Our FASD Kids. So, now let's talk about the challenges that FASD creates for foster parents and ways for dealing with these challenges. So, um, I want now, Jeff, to ask you specifically about foster parents. And so, what are the most difficult challenges that FASD deal, creates for them? That's the first question. Well, FASD creates uh, the disability um, for caregivers, creates chaos, if I can use, use that term. Uh, it's a, it's, if you, because oftentimes what happens is when someone is placed in a home, you know, you won't get, you, sometimes you don't even get full social history. And, you know, you get a brief of, you know, what's the child like? Well, we don't know. They're kind of just, they're, they kind of just, they're coming from uh, another group home or an institution or another uh, foster family that, 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 that broke down. Now, um, the problems, because they're not prepared and they don't have the four things. And I'll talk about the four things real quickly that I have. And it's, if you join, uh, sign up for my newsletter, like you have doctor, you know that you get uh, uh, my free report. And this is what was drilled into me in my certificate course is that they don't, the first thing you need is training. Okay. Now foster parents often don't get training in fetal alcohol because even the staff uh, don't really understand fetal alcohol. Not everybody, but a lot. Okay, so they don't have training. So what's going to happen is if somebody looks normal and can talk normal, uh, but they act disabled, that means that they're, you know, the expectations of somebody are to act age appropriate. Okay, so if I'm looking at a boy and he's and he comes into care and he's, you know, 15 years old, I have to expect him to act 15, you know, I expect him to act 15 years old. And that's no fault of my own because he looks 15 and sometimes he talks 15, right? But there's, you know, there's a little something off and they're not responding to normal, normal commands like clean up your room or, you know, do the homework or the normal discipline. It, it doesn't seem to work. So... The old ways of doing things doesn't work, so it causes the kid, uh, you know, the behaviors to even get worse. Then uh, they don't have the respite, okay? They don't have relief. So these kids, as we know, are grinding because they just require so much care. Some of these kids don't even know what to do next because of their, their brain damage. So we have to, to guide them, and that's step-by-step. Every day, this is what's next, this is what's next, this is what's next. We have to guide them along, right? We have to be that, uh, their external brain. So they don't, they don't, they're beaten down. They're, they're dead tired inside, and so they can't keep up with the level of support Got they it. get. Got okay? It. So that we have, we have respite, we have training. And another big one, daughter, is grief and loss work. Okay, because oftentimes we become foster parents or because we want to fix, oh, we just need to give them love. They just need a loving home and everything is going to be fine and we can fix them. Well, this is permanent brain damage. You're not going to fix it. So people go through loss. That's a, that's a loss knowing uh, that this, once you really first come to terms with that, this person is going to be disabled and needs support. You're not going to fix them. And regular caregivers go through grief and loss. Uh, you know, there's the loss of the family unit. Uh, there's the uh, siblings have loss as well. So, uh, so there's that's three of them. So if they don't have the training, if they don't understand, if they don't have the grief and loss, and if they don't have respite, and this. The last one is if they don't have coaching or let me even include a support group or a community. That is the fourth key. If they don't have, because it's hard to distinguish for caregivers to distinguish what is, uh, is this the fetal alcohol or is this them just being a brat? Is this, you know, is this normal behavior? They, they have a hard time. So what a coach does, what a support group does, uh, what my community does on, uh, on the internet is say, no, these are normal. 
this happens to a lot of people. And so that way the caregiver doesn't feel as bad, feel as guilty like they're failures and that they're able to try these different approaches. Because, again, the, the wheel is that we don't need to reinvent it. But we right. just have to get that message out there. So that's what foster parents need. That are the four essential things that I believe that they need. Just right. even keep afloat. Right. Jeff, um, you've mentioned this. Foster parents need to be in touch with other foster parents. Um, so what types of communication do the foster parents need among themselves? How important is it? And how, how is it best done? And in particular, is this what your website um, and your service provides, this communication among foster parents? Jeff? Thanks. Yeah, communication is key because one of the big things is isolation. It's one of the big things that's happened to caregivers. You know, they start to, they start to fall back and, you know, they think it's, their fault, uh, but I just do. They need to know that this is not their fault. They are not bad parents, uh, and by communicating with other people going through the same thing, you just automatically feel better. And one of the ways people have been doing that is through my fan page. Uh, and what we're finding is that some people go on there just to vent. Other people say, you know, Jeff, I'm having this problem, and, and we'll talk about it, and other people will weigh on in the discussion. Now we're even having people who have fetal alcohol themselves who have an FASD are now on my fan page and are interacting with the other caregivers. So they're able to talk and ex- relay their experiences with no judgment, with no bias, and they're even able to ask other uh, the caregivers are ask, able to ask people living with fetal alcohol uh, what it's like, and we're getting more insight into the way they think and their brain, and uh, so it's giving caregivers uh, hope, and it's giving caregivers that sense of community that they're they're not they're not alone, and and I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger till uh, having an FASD, and is not only is that normal, but caring for someone with that is also just as normal. Right. Next question is, what's your advice to foster parents about their own lives? You've already mentioned some of these things, but I want you to say more about that. Yeah, I think that, you know, again, taking care of uh, your personal health and your and your family's life as well. You know, um, you guys as caregivers get so wrapped up in being a parent. Uh, it's 24 hours, seven days a week. Uh, I think it's important that you still be able to communicate with your other family members, you know, even if it's, even if it's without uh, the, the sibling, that you have to have your, your own time um, because what else are you doing it for? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of courage uh, in, in order to, to keep these kids afloat. Um, but they have to make sure that they're taking care of their, themselves because and also to do it for me in a bit of a selfish way, uh, doctors, because, you know, these kids go through multiple placements, especially in the foster system. I could tell you the story of uh, um, one one guy of ours uh, that came into our agency that he had 21 placements by the time he was seven years old. So I need the foster parents, I need the caregivers to be in tip-top shape and to feel good about themselves. And I, and that, if that means that they also need to get help, and I think that's important, I think that they should also seek uh, counseling uh, because a lot of these caregivers de- develop. By the time, you know, we get to them, it's, uh, they've already have depression. They already have anxiety. Uh, they can also have post-traumatic stress disorder. When I stopped the first time, it took me eight months before that feeling in my stomach went away every single day. Uh, and not to say that these kids, uh, you know, are, are, are monsters because they're not. They're beautiful people. But dealing with the behavior is hard when you don't understand what that behavior is, and that's where the, that's where the challenge comes in. So uh, I think, I think that's, that's huge. Now, a very brief question now. Do foster parents feel guilty when things aren't turning out, perhaps in the way they expected or the way they hope, is guilt oh. a problem? Oh, they feel guilt? Uh, 
they feel uh, shame. Uh, they feel like they failed. They have all of these types of uh, negative feelings uh, because if you're, you you keep doing things the way you've always done them and it's just not working and everything you've tried and you you know you've gone to all these other professionals. Let's not forget how many doctors uh, these people have been to beforehand and these kids have been diagnosed with a plethora of other things, right? So ADD, so uh, OCDA, oppositional defiant disorder, and so they try and do the treatment with that, with those diagnoses in mind, and it gets worse, right? And it, it's and it's it's so hard for them. Uh, so to to compound everything that happens to these guys, they do feel so bad, and that's my heart breaks. Is because I just want to run around and say, no, 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 it's not your fault, right? Whoa, you are not to feel guilt. You are not to feel shame. But that's that's just a natural byproduct of not understanding the disability. Yeah, got it. Now, and also to being dis sorry, and also being dismissed by everybody else. So sure. could you imagine? Nobody understands. Nobody right. gets it, and then you're left to deal with it on your own. And other people are saying, oh, well, he looks okay, or she looks okay, or they're all so cute because they're only around for 10 minutes. So that's uh, that's not their fault either. Got it. Now, we're up against the break again, so we're going to take it now. This is Dr. Gordon Adley. My guest is Jeff Noble. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Do you ever stop and wonder if there's more to life than what you are experiencing? Do you feel like you deserve to live that life? Of course you should. Tune in to Shining Bright with your host, Regina Sisko. Through Regina's life experiences and her guest experts, you can put yourself on the path to holistic self-discovery and the life that you were born to lead. Shining Bright with Regina Sisko is broadcast live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voice America.com You know I need someone You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jeff Noble. Our topic is understanding our FASD kids. So now let's talk about social questions associated with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Sure. Okay. Now, Jeff, here in Ontario, where you and I both live, there are Mm. three class action suits alleging that the province's failure to care for persons in government institutions uh, which housed people with mental disabilities, led to harm to those people. And it's believed that some of the persons, some of these people, had FASD. So, now, what are the questions that you, foster parents like you, and all FASD parents want to be answered as a result of these three class actions? What do you think? So, this is what I think or what I would want to you happen. Want you want right, so that's a, a different thing. It's, what I would love for it to happen is 
Right. We need more attention to this. Uh, I hope this just brings a lot of media attention, and I hope it garners and it steamrolls, because we had a little bit of momentum last year uh, when the news story regarding to um, the caregiver sending uh, her adoptive child back to Russia. Because and he had an FASD, so you know we get it. Um, so having said that, I would love for it to get a lot of attention because what that's going to enable guys like me to do is to answer those secondary questions, right? Well, what's an F? What do you mean? What's an FASD? What is that? What did they they had FASD? And then what they search, and then hopefully they find myself or Bruce Ritchie or anybody else that's. Uh, that has a, a, an FASD website, and then questions can start being a- asked. And now, you know, the the big thing happens, and this is what uh, Diane Melvin talked about, and that's the paradigm shift, right? So we start to change our thinking, and once we start to change our thinking and realize that these people with these disabilities, these invisible disabilities, are not bad and they're just misunderstood, that we can go along with how do we start accommodating and then you slowly will hopefully get social change that way but we need to keep it in the media and as you can see I like to babble and so hopefully if that is my job in all of this then no problem if I am to go and 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 be the person to to talk to people about this and it doesn't have to be you know I, and I don't, don't want to be the person to uh make it all weird and you know shove FASD down people's throats but what I want to do is I want to be involved in the conversation and I and through social media and through these class action suits that we're always around so whenever there's questions come up, we're easily found and we're easily thought of. And now what happens is FASD starts coming to the forefront. And instead of, uh, instead of that being the, fi- the last option to look at, it is now included as the first option to look at when we see people with disabilities like this and that we're never, ever sending them to those old, old, those old institutions like you're talking about in the suit, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's now, right. Jeff, um, a related question. Mm-hmm. Is discussion in the wider society, whether it's in Ontario, whether it's in Canada, or whether it's in the U.S., is discussion open enough about FASD? And if it isn't, what more would you like to see done to open the discussion? Right. So to answer your question, no, I don't think, uh, I think it's a little bit, and I think in pockets, I think in pockets it's talked about a lot. I think it's talked about a lot, but I, I'm dealing with, I'm in the fetal alcohol community every single day. So I do not think it is widespread in a topic that's, uh, that's talked about a lot because there's a lot of stigma attached to it. Now, if we can learn to lessen the stigma attached, and what is that stigma? Is what do people think every time? Or well, in my, in my, I don't know about you guys, but when I when I talk to people about fetal alcohol, you know, the stigma is it is birth moms, it is the you know alcoholic junkie moms, you know, and you can only if you're drinking a lot of booze over a long period of time can you mess up those babies, and it's their fault. Well. That is not actually entirely true. In fact, uh, you know, FASD has no stigma uh, attached to it at all. It affects everybody. So once we start normalizing it and stop guilting the the, uh, the birth moms and pointing the finger, uh, and we can point the finger at our own ignorance, then the, the, the discussion will change because who's, who, who wants to talk about if their kid has ADD, OCD, and all these, these stack attack, I call it, with all these other diagnoses, you know, who's going to fess up and say that they drank alcohol? Because the stigma on the person who does is they're looked at as the alcoholic, which is, for a lot of times, is not the case. For most of the times, is not the case. It's what happened is when they, they didn't know they were pregnant. And they drank alcohol, and this happened. This was a byproduct. 
was it, but they did not know. So if we can normalize it, and it's not this monster from alcoholic and substance abuse women. No, this is everybody. This is all women of all jurisdictions, all races, everybody. So we have to normalize it, and then the conversation can come up without the guilt. That's important. Without without pointing the finger and making them feel bad like it's their fault when clearly uh, people have no idea, right? Right. Let me ask you this real quick. How many uh, alcohol commercials have you seen this week? Uh, and how many commercials about fetal alcohol have you seen? Good question. Now, right. Jeff, so, Jeff uh, we've just got a very short period of time left, and I want to know what your message is for family caregivers, foster parents, or otherwise, people who are caring for a family member, adopted or otherwise, with FASD. Pretend you're, you've got a time break of just about a minute and a half. Tell us what your message is to those people um, from your experience and what you know. You are not alone. You are absolutely not alone. I would, they need to know that they are not failures. They need to know that this is that heart. And if their kids were with anybody else, it would probably be the same result because it is that hard. So what they must know is that they need to get, they need, they cannot do it on their own. They cannot, it's impossible. Uh, anybody who says they can do it, I don't think so. Um, so, you know, they say it truly takes a village to raise a child. Uh, I think I just stole that from Hillary Clinton, or she probably stole that from somebody else. But it's still true and all the same is that it takes a team to raise one of these children and that there is hope and that they can mature and they can learn they can develop habits, uh, they can contribute, and it is, you know, uh, no, it is not, it doesn't always have to be as bad as it seems, and oftentimes it is not. From training and education comes empathy and action, and to hang on because the rest of the population is, we're going to get there, and we're going to figure this out, and once, you know, once the rest of the population and, and society does, we're going to just spend the next 10 years apologizing to you that we failed you as a caregiver so miserably. Right. Jeff, I'm afraid we have to stop there, but I just want to repeat back to you. Yours is a message of hope. It's a message of courage. It's a message of determination. And it's a message that even though the disease itself isn't curable, it doesn't have to uh, destroy people, destroy their lives. In fact, the frustration can be managed and worked with and lived beyond. And I want to thank you for making that important pronouncement to us, giving us that hope, and for all the explanation that you've given us, which comes from you as a real expert, as well as an experienced professional in this matter. So I want to thank you to our, say thank you to our listeners. I want to say again a thank you to Jeff because he shared with us his real experience, his real insights, and his real advice. So every, every success to you, continuing success in your work. Now, Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Okay. Now, in our next episode, uh, we're going to be talking about art as a language for caring. So to our audience, please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.